There's magic, there's witches, they're lesbians, and there you go. Hello, and welcome to episode 152 of the Erasable Podcast. It's that time of year again, NaNoWriMo Eve. I'm Johnny Gamble on hosting duty tonight. Andy and Tim can't make it, but I'm joined by Harry Marks and Les Herger, my two favorite nano guests. Thank you for joining me tonight and our for our annual chat about National Novel Writing Month. You probably remember Les and Harry from several episodes of Erasable in addition to their own audio work. Les co-hosts the RSVP podcast and Harry co-hosts the Homework podcast on the 5x5 network and is the creator of the podcast sitcom The Shelf Life on which you might have heard some of the hosts of the show. Hey, guys. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. I was going to be all by myself tonight. I know that would have been like the best episode ever. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> listening to, to a Johnny Gamber soliloquy for an hour and a half would have been kind of cool. Yeah, that might be Not fun. if I had to beep it. <laughs> the typewriter <laughs> bell, the typewriter <laughs> bell. Ding, 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 ding. Son of a ding, ding. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about NaNoWriMo, which is a big discussion, so I won't babble, and we can jump right into Tools of the Trade. Do you want to go first, Les? Sure. Um, so I am, I've, I haven't been wanting to stare at a screen um, when I come home from work, because I spend all day long staring at a screen. So I am just finishing up the book Harrow the Ninth, which is a lesbian space opera with lesbian necromancers uh, in space. So it, it combines all sorts of fun stuff and lots of murder and mayhem. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, it's 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 a little wacky. Um, uh, some people got confused about it and thought that it was a romance, and it it really is not. There's a lot of murder and death, <laughs> um, lots of sword fighting. Uh, which so well, I mean, granted, there is some sexy times in there but not a lot um and then on top of that i've been letting spotify pick some music for me and i i talked on rsvp last week a little bit about um some of the things that had been picking for me and i inadvertently found some weird nordic folk chanting stuff i find it really soothing but i have to turn it off when chris comes into the room she finds it real creepy there's this like undertone <laughs> of like um voices it's so like midsummer in your house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not not quite that bad. Um, but there's like lots of like weird music going on. And it's it, it's so weird. It's like I, I don't really pay attention to it. It's just in the background, kind of like droning. Um, but yeah, Chris hates it so much. <laughs> I totally want to check this out. Um, I'll I'll send you some links. Um, and then like the first time she saw it on the screen, she's like, are, are are they white supremacists? What are you listening to? Like that's because there's like runes and stuff. And several of the bands have come out and said, we are not white supremacists. This has nothing to do. We are not commenting on like current political climates. We just are making our folk music that is steeped in history. Which yeah, we are not may- ace of base. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little funky. I'll send you some links, Johnny, because it's, it's weird. Um, and it's just some like weird, like Spotify just, I, it does not know what to do with me in terms of music. I get really, really weird suggestions. So uh, yeah, that's, that's been fun. Uh, and also weird at the same time. <laughs> 
Um, and then I am writing with a hacked squire. I've got this adrift, and I don't know if you saw the pictures. I uh, bored out the little nose cone on it, uh, and it That's now holds uh, an Energel Pro refill, and it is the smoothest thing ever. So it just took my my squire experience and like quadrupled it in enjoyability, and it was awesome. super easy. Um, I put I put up um, a post on Comfortable Shoes Studio about how to do it, and then I've also been using a metallic Statler Norica that I found um, over the weekend at Staples. They're apparently an exclusive thing, which means you know they'll be exclusive to Staples for like fifteen minutes, and then after that, everyone else will also carry them. <laughs> um, Wait, metallic like foil shiny metallic or like the ticonderogas uh it's more like the ticonderoga i can't speak it's more like the ticonderogas but with better colors if that makes sense there's like a a blackish silvery color there's a blue um there's a coppery color and then there's one that's pinkish so it's slightly better colors than the ticonderoga and also norica lead inside so significantly better writing experience than the made in Mexico Ticonderogas. Awesome. The, the, the tykes were like sparkly. Yeah. These are not sparkly enough. Yeah. These have a little bit of that. They're, they're subtle, but not super sparkly, if that makes sense. Awesome. And uh, I'm getting ready for nano and composition notebooks. Um, and I've been working on all kinds of stuff in my work play three. Cool. Awesome. How about you, Harry? So I've been getting back into, for a long time, I've always had this interest in like magic and sleight of hand, and I had been dipping in and out of it. And then um, several years ago, I was working in the city, and there's a magic store in Harold Square called Tannen's Magic Shop. They've been around for like 100 years, and they were holding lessons. And so I was taking lessons there for, it was like a two-month um once a week, I'd, I'd go there after work. And lately, my son has really been getting into magic. We watch Magic for Humans on Netflix, the Justin Willman show. We actually attended one of his live Zoom magic shows, which was really fun. And 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 um, my son had a blast with it. And um, so I've been getting back into it. So I've been reading two like standard books for card technique, which is um, Expert Card Technique and Expert at the Card Table by um, S.W. Ordnez. And they're, I mean, these books are written, I, I think Expert at the Card Table is written in like 1900 and Expert Card Technique was written in 1940. Um, but they they have withstood the test of time because they are just like these, you want to learn how to do a false cut or um, a second uh, a second deal or, or any of these like cool gambling and magic techniques. These are the books you go to for that. So I've been digging through those because I, uh, unlike less, and I, I'm so jealous of you because I have not been able to focus on reading for six months. And <laughs> this is the first thing I've actually been able to sit down and read more than two pages of. Um, so that's, that's what I've been really working on. Um, I've got in my office at home is just like, I've got eight or nine decks sitting on my desk that I've just been messing around with. Um, and then I've been, um, this year I'm doing all of my novel prep digitally. Uh, sorry listeners, but, um, I did pull out, um, I've been working with a Blackwing 24 of which I blew through most of them on the last nano book I did. Um, and I'm using a field notes. I think it's a logger edition. It's the, the like dark reddish brown one. Um, 
it's yeah i think it's a logger i can't remember and then um i actually have been using a uh, as part of a new um like journaling system i i developed i've been using the old i don't remember what the edition was called but it's a baron fig vanguard with the space stuff on it it's black background with all the red space stuff on it um so yeah that's what i've been using but oh was it the um the black box was it there black was one with like um, the Bermuda Triangle, UFOs, and uh, Bigfoot might have been it. Yeah, it's it's got a it's sort of a pattern. So it's this like red yeah. line drawing pattern all over. Yeah, that must that must have been it. That one was awesome. Yeah, I didn't. I cool didn't box, actually didn't too. buy this one. Joey gave it to me when we hooked up for coffee one day. He just he's like, here's to take some stuff, and this is one of the things he gave me. So I, I it had Get been sitting on a sh- bag, huh? Like, get me a duffel bag. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, wait, now they sell duffel bags. I mean, like, a duffel bag full of stuff. Yeah. But, um, no, he, uh, yeah, so that's been sitting on my shelf for, like, a, over a year, two years, and, and I finally found a use for it, so. Awesome. Cool. So, um, did you guys catch Dracula on Netflix, that miniseries done by Mark Gaddis and uh, the other guy from Sherlock? No, well, because I no. when I heard that they were doing it, I was like, they screwed up Sherlock, so I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> so, like, the icon on my Netflix TV, at least, is a nun. So it's like, yeah, I don't want to watch that. It's like, no, flashbacks. <laughs> but it was really, really good. They, uh, The first two episodes were sort of parts of the book that aren't in the book. Like, one is entirely on board the ship on the way from um, Transylvania to London, mm. which was really cool. But um, I was surprised by how much Frankie liked it too. Cause she doesn't like, you know, scary, gory stuff, but you know, it was like Sherlock. It was kind of funny and lots of inside jokes, hmm. but um, I haven't been reading much at all. I've just listened to NPR constantly instead of, you know, compulsively reading Facebook and that kind of news because NPR eventually, Stops talking about the news and starts talking about something random that is super interesting for like an hour. Like, ah. I was listening to David Sedaris last night. He was doing um, whatever their their fiction show is at um, late at night. They do, you know, someone reads a short story, and I think he was hosting it last night. So I was listening to him. Oh, awesome! Yeah, cool. And um, I am writing with a Musgrave Tennessee Red, like I usually am nice. these days. And Sweet. I'm doing Andy's job, taking notes in case we have to pause anything on a Claire Fontaine triumph notebook that's just super smooth. And I thought I used it all up, but it turns out to have a sheet left. Sweet. So there we go. So um wanna punch through some fresh points real quick so we can get into talking about NaNoWriMo? Sure. Yeah. Awesome. You want to go first again, Les? Yeah. Um, so I just introduced my uh, latest zine, uh, Useful Journaling. Hey. I had a, I'd written a manuscript in like 2012 about uh, basically journaling and art journaling and just shelved it when I decided to go back to school. I just didn't have time to really deal with it. I didn't have time to, you know, take the photographs for it. So I took that and I have torn it apart and I've taken all of the journaling bits and grouped them together in like headings. So like themes and I'm basically going to do little 16 page pocket sized zines that are themed around different aspects of journaling. And it's not just going to be written journaling. So it's going to combine writing and art um, into journaling. So yeah, I, I did a, I did a print run of 
80 and I didn't expect to sell them all. Um, but I sold them all in a weekend, which is kind of amazing. And I'm going to do, I, I, so I did a color cover and I inherited, I inherited, my mother gave me when she cleaned out her classroom after she retired a color printer. Um, and the process of it moving from her classroom in, back into her home and then being shipped down to Massachusetts, um, it's not in the greatest of shape. And it was a nightmare to print all of those full color covers. And I went through an entire yellow toner cartridge because it's just like the, the, the transfer sheet is all banged up and I basically need to replace the transfer roller in it and then it'll be fine. But it was just like, I got this really, really nice, smooth, uh, Nina, um, white, just the crispest, greatest cardstock. It's like, Oh, it's going to print so beautifully on it. And it couldn't pick it up. It was too smooth. <laughs> oh, it, was, it was just like, oh, you, you think you're going to get good prints? <laughs> no, I, I got maybe 10 decent prints on that paper. Um, and then I, I had some old um, color laser um, photograph paper. And that's what I did the rest of the like 70 copies with. And that actually looks amazing. And it's kind of like a messy print as well, which I kind of like. Uh, but the next print run of it, I'm going to do a, another 50 copies. I, I'm doing it black and white on a super bright yellow cardstock that I snagged for no money, which is going to be amazing. Uh, so um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm really excited about it. I'm having a lot of fun, like learning how to do layout on the computer instead of doing it all by hand. But um yeah, so that I'm doing that. And then, you know, I just posted about hacking the Baron Fig Squire uh, to take an Energel refill and a bunch of other changes that are going to come through on Comfortable Shoes Studio and um, all the other stuff that I do. So a lot of stuff in the works. So how much did you have to uh, bore it out? I used a one eighth inch drill bit uh, for wood masking taped to a uh, skewer. <laughs> uh, um, well, because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to take out too much and I didn't do it too quickly. And my tendency is I'm, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to I'm going to go in there. I'm going to do it and I'm do it hard, um, which sounds kind of kind of wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, so like it forced me to use a gentle hand while I did the boring. Um and then I really only went down maybe not even a quarter of an inch because I really wanted to leave as much of the nose cone in there as I possibly could because it keeps it from wobbling around. So it still has that really nice fit uh, around the tip of the of the uh, refill so it doesn't wobble at all. Mm. Um, and then uh, so it, it feels just like a regular refill in there. Um, and then you do have to cut the cut the Energel refill down. Um to like 77 millimeters. So yeah, that sounds so complicated. <laughs> it really, it was, it, it really wasn't. It's was just like a drill bit and then using like boring it out by hand. Cause it, there's not, you're not re removing a lot of aluminum from it. Um, you just like, it's like a tiny, tiny bit. It's like the difference in the size of that tube between the Energel refill 
and the um, Baron Fig refill is less than a millimeter. So it really, it just it, taking out a tiny amount of material to make it fit. Just enough for clearance. Yep. Yep. Nice. Wow. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it works really nice. I was, I was like, well, I can either really screw up this collectible pen or make it better. And <laughs> so I was real careful, made it better. Awesome. Do you have some fresh points, Mr. Harry? I do. I have a. I only have two listed, but I have a third I'm going to talk about. Uh, apologies. So um, the first one is I uh, about a month ago I came up with a or I, I released a um, a blog post on my blog curiousrat.com about this sort of it's sort of bullet journaling slash GTD system, but it was a way for me to um, get back into the swing of things with the I, I had just gotten a new job. Um, and I, Oh, congrats. Thank you. And I, yeah, I'd been out of work for like six months, so it was nice to finally get back on my feet. Um, and I wanted a way to keep track of my to-do lists on both the work side and the, the regular life side. So, you know, laundry and errands and all that fun stuff. So I call it the work life task system. And that's what I was, I'm using the, the Baron fig, uh, the Vanguard for. Um, and basically what it is, is a, a method of, it's not designed around how much you can get done each day. It's really designed about around how much you check your email each day and how often you check your email and how late you check your email during the day. Cause what I found was I come from a, a legal background. I used to, I'm not a lawyer, but I used to work in a law firm and with them, you know, if you're not checking your email up until the second you close your eyes at night, you're not doing enough. So, um, to sort of break myself of that habit, I, I wanted to um, devise a system that sort of kept me honest about how often I was checking my email. So it's all about recording the latest time you check your email each day and then how late you check it each month and just keeping track of it and trying to get that time a little earlier each time, each day, each month, each week. Um, and so the other part of this is a lot of to-do lists have, it's a one a one-step system. So you do the task and it's done. But at work, most tasks are two-step. You get the task from someone you work with, and then you have to send it back to them. So I have a two-step system built into this where not only is it complete on my side, but then it's completely done when I fill in the bubble and send it back to them. So um, it's totally you know free up for grabs. I didn't write a book or anything for it, um, but it's on CuriousRat.com. If you scroll down a few posts, it's the one with the star next to it. I was also on a show called Analog Joe. Uh, Joe Bulig um, hosts this show where he talks about um, all these analog methods and tools and stuff he uses. So he had me on to talk about it and I gave a whole keynote presentation on it. So that was fun. Awesome. Thanks. And, um, and then uh, my podcast sitcom, the shelf life is nominated for an Audioverse award. Uh, best new audio play production. Um, for those who haven't heard it, it is a, each episode's about 10 minutes. It's a sitcom with a laugh track set in a fictional bookstore. Um, and you know, Johnny's been on it. Um, Andy's been on it. Tim has been on it. I, I, Stu from 1857 has been on it. Actually, he's one of the, the, my co-stars. So, um, that's up for an award. And the last thing is, um, I released my 2017 nano book as an actual downloadable novel. So, um, it is available for Kindle, uh, Kobo, Apple books and nook. It's called the profit. It's about a, um, it's a dual POV book, um, told from the perspective of both a, a young girl in a cult and then the private detective trying to get her out of the cult. Um, and that is uh, available on Gumroad, uh, not on Amazon.com because F them, 
and uh, <laughs> but you can still get the Kindle version on Gumroad. We'll put a link in the show notes. And actually, the link to my stuff that is in the show notes, my link tree address, has the link to the book in it, so you can get it there too. Cool. So um, I only have a couple, and one. Um, I wonder if we should skip until Andy and Tim are back. The Baron Fig Guardian Pro. Do you want to just talk about that really quickly? Sure. Because it's awesome. Was that it the, was it you or Andy who said it looks like you have like a portable Bible with you? <laughs> Andy, I think. I was it Andy? That yeah, was it was Andy last last episode. I, I oh, agree man. with so him. It Catholic reminds me Bibles of that. are way bigger. <laughs> no, this is this is like it, it reminds me of the uh, Baptist study Bibles. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, like I. They, but they're a little bigger than this too. But it has that same kind of Bible cover feel. So, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it, I mean, this is definitely cooler than a Bible cover. But <laughs> yeah. So, um, I got the charcoal because on deck I have the pumpkin colored book, mm. and it's like it's they described it as being warmer than um you would expect and it is in a really really good way it's really nice i really like i dig it it matches my erasable squire pretty perfectly nice which makes me very happy but um what color did you get Les? i got the forest green which is more of a like what i would consider because you know i'm of the 90s a sage color it's more sage (laughs) green than forest green forest green is so much darker yeah um but this is, it's a super nice green color. It's got like, it's kind of like a dusty green. Um, awesome. I really thought I'd hate it. If I'm going to be completely honest, I, I did not think I was going to like it. I thought it was just, you know, just another cover, you know? Um, and I, I use a uh, Lil, Lil Hit uh, Tefa bag and bag thing that oh, I usually will. Yeah. Yeah. It's super nice. You know, it stores everything. It's really like, it just contains things in my bag. So like, if I want to like, just have, I keep my journal in there and then a bunch of writing things. And then I'll just grab that and throw it in my bag. Um, I do like this so much. It feels really nice. It feels a lot better than the Lilith, Lilith, Lilith. How the, how the hell do I say that? I'm going to go with Lilith. I'm going to go with Lilith. Um, and so it, it, you know, it just has a much nicer, it feels like better quality, um, which is good because it's like four times the price, but, uh, I like how nicely it holds everything. It just feels really nice. So I really thought I hate it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of folks didn't like that. It doesn't hold a, um, a regular A5 notebook, but if it did, then Baron Fig's notebooks would slide around and Baron Fig made it. So that wouldn't make any sense. Maybe they can make another one for A5 notebooks if I don't know why they would do that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, the way that the zipper kind of comes down the spine a little bit is really nice. Yeah. I like that makes a big difference in it opening nicely. I really like the yellow of the zipper too. And then when you open it up and where the, where the pen sits, it's got those, the little yellow stitches that bracket where the pen sits. That is just, it's a sweet little detail that I really enjoy. It's the kind of stuff Baron Fig does that's awesome. Is the zipper good? Because I always find on those kinds of covers, especially near, like when you zip it up to the top corner and then you try to unzip it, it always gets caught. Is it is it like that or is it smooth? It's smooth. Very smooth. You know, on any other <laughs> podcast, that sounds very suggestive. <laughs> that's a long zipper yeah the, you're wearing and i don't want to know why 
Because <laughs> he's wearing a onesie. <laughs> yes. Uh, I got jealous of my kids. <laughs> Do they have footies, though? In the footy pajamas? No. On the, my feet are way too The sweaty. trap door in the back. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, but for a little while, not get caught. F- <laughs> they were kind of getting cutesy. Like the um, some of the early Squire pens, they were kind of cute. And I don't know, some of sometimes I felt like they were doing too much mm. and like a lot of it was really cool, but it was just like so much like, Oh, I really want to enjoy this raspberry uh, honey book, but there's another one and I'm not finished yet, but it seems like lately they've slowed down and also just, I don't know, their designs are going back toward like, this is a like bomb and bitching tool. That's going to be great for your work. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, as soon as I saw this, I wanted one. I said it on the last podcast. And since then, we were lucky enough to get some samples, so that's very nice. So, yeah, thank you, Baron Pig. Absolutely. And um, so all of the way through the pandemic, I haven't gone to any stores because why? Um, and my father wanted to go to Ollie's. Do you guys know what Ollie's is? I do not. No. It's they call it good stuff cheap. It's like I don't know how to put it. Like a whole store that's very kitschy, that's almost like a step below TJ Maxx. And most of it's like not clothes or they don't have any clothes. So when you were in Massachusetts, did did you ever become acquainted with Building 19? No. It was like a salvage surplus store that was kind of like that. They went out of business through mismanagement and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, it sounds kind of like that, only trashier. Yeah, like the um the Ticonderoga metallics we were talking about um that were a Target exclusive. I guess when Ticonderoga ditched uh cedar, they got rid of all of those and they're at Ollie's for like a dollar twenty nine instead of whatever they were at Target. And they have like a truckload of them in every store. It's really weird. Um but they also had papermate uh exam scoring pencils for seventy nine cents, which were super nice. Oh, I've never heard of those. But uh they, I've had some before that are striped in different kinds of blue, and these were different kinds of red. So Henry was like stoked. But um, I only bought a couple packs because it was the end of the store when I finally found them. But um, I might get some more if you know the store is open in a couple weeks. So like going out is so weird now with the masks and stuff. I don't like it. Yeah, it's yeah. very. Strange. I'd rather stay home. <laughs> I was I was in a Target um, yesterday, and I was just like. I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I actually do all my food shopping at nine o'clock at night now because the Wegmans is open till midnight and I'll go at nine. No one's in there. I get all the stuff I need. I don't have to worry about being around other people because I can't be around other people anymore. I've, I've turned into a, a, just a total xenophobe about this. <laughs> yeah. When I have a coffee date, I start getting really weird about it. Like I'm, I can't, I can't wear my tradition, my usual black t-shirt and ripped up jeans today. It's like, comb my hair or something yeah it's weird yeah but um so what les was talking about and i talked about last time zine life is still a thing um i put out issues two and three of the pencil revolution zine and five and six are printing like well it's probably finished printing but they were printing earlier so they'll be out which episodes did i get Uh, episode which issues did i get uh was it before thursday yeah that would just be one. That's and one two. and two. Okay. Um, three and four had a bunch of typos. Thank you, Corinne, for helping me find typos. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyone that got early ones, they had typos, and then I had 
like a giant stack of them printed that I had to trash. They're cool. I, I really well, like how they came out. Thank you. Yeah, they're super sweet. Um, the, the paper, I don't know what it is, but bone folders seem to make it hinge when you fold it in a pleasing way, mm. if that makes any sense. So my uh, next two were going to be one book, but after three or four days of cussing and killing an entire ink cartridge, I just made it a twosome like I did before. Nice. But I think it turned out better. My kids like it. So yeah. Um, anyone have any more fresh points before we jump into our main topic? I'm good. Does anyone need a bio break? <laughs> I went before I started. So did I. My favorite term. Okay. All right. So for those at home, um, I'm going to try to talk about what National Novel Writing Month is. So please correct me. Um, Andy, Andy, oh my God, Les and Harry, if I screw this up, sorry. Um, so starting in 1999, is that the year it started? I Close guess I should have looked this know. up. I um, so. Some folks, they got together and decided to write a novel in a month. Um, a novel is 50,000 words, according to this definition. So um, they moved it to November for whatever month it used to be on. So in November, you write a 50,000 word novel or 50,000 words of a novel. That's 1667 words a day, every day, if you mm-hmm. do it that way. Um, so it's, you know, it's a thing. It's It really kills your month. And November, at least in the United States, is usually a pretty busy month. Although I guess none of us will be traveling this year, hopefully. So um, for first of all, uh, what makes you folks want to participate in something that, even on the face of it, sounds completely bonkers? <laughs> it's a challenge. I think that's, Mm -hmm. I think that's what really like (laughs) like pulls me towards it is that it's a huge challenge to do. And also um, because I'm mildly competitive, um, it kind of pushes me to finish something that I've started or get something started because I I'm, I'm big into inertia (laughs) Um, because once I stop, I don't, I don't continue. And if I don't start, I never start. So yeah, it just it's a good way to motivate myself to start. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I've been sitting on on an idea for a couple of years now that I've wanted to write and I figured um, you know, why not now? And I think especially this year it is nice to have something with all of the the turmoil and all the sturm und drang going on with COVID and everything and and unemployment um, it's nice to have a constant and this is constant. Like this, this happens every year. Cause originally I was like, who, who wants to do this this year? Like, this is nuts. Like who would, who would want to <laughs> dedicate 16, 1700 words a day in November in 2020 of all years to doing this. And then I was thinking more about it and I was like, well, no, this is, this is the time to do it. This is the, the thing that'll sort of catapult me back into. And I say this with the highest of hopes and knowing full well how this is going <laughs> to end for me. Uh, but, you know, this is something that'll sort of catapult me back into the, the productivity I had been missing. Cause I've been, I've been writing this whole time. I, I write for another podcast and I'm, I have a deadline to get, um, four stories done every week, but, uh, I, to get back into my own writing it was impossible. And I, I'm looking at this as, as something I'm hoping to sort of push me back into it. So um, what, uh, I don't want to misuse the word veteran. What level of NaNoWriMo veteran are you? Like how many times have you competed? Um, if you want to say one, how many times did you win? 
if you remember? I think I've taken part in it five or six times. And I think I've won about half of that. Uh, I know I lost last year, brutally. Just I got two days in and then it was just like, yep, work. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> work Work just took over my life last year. Um, and also, you know, I, I my mom was diagnosed with cancer shortly, shortly after the beginning of the month, I think. Something along those lines. And it was just like, I have no brain for NaNoWriMo right now. Yeah. Not going to happen. So, um, but yeah. What about, what about you do? Um, so I've done it eight times and twice I bowed out. Both times I had a newborn, mm. but both times I made a pretty good progress. But I did notice that in those instances, I never touched what I was working on ever again for a second. So that might not have been a good thing. How about you, Harry? I am an aspirational NaNoWriMo competitor. I always start off okay for like the first week and then so <laughs> like 2017 i i competed that was uh that was the profit that was and i wrote that one entirely in pencil that was my first mistake uh and i got i want to say 25,000 words um by the end of the month which honestly writing in pencil for a couple hours a day was not terrible um and i it but the problem was because i wrote it in pencil and i i refused to use anything else to finish it it took me 2 years to finish it so i i finally got it done in in 2019 but it just it took me forever to get there and then i've done camp nanorimo which is the one they do in july which to me is far more sensible i mean who wants to do who wants to write 50,000 words in the month with Thanksgiving, but you know, <laughs> fine, but I've done the one in July. And again, I've, I, I did it this past year. I did it in uh, 2020 to sort of um, get me back into writing a little bit and to work on something that I wasn't dead set on publishing. I, w I started this horror story, um, thriller horror story that I, I just want had an idea for, and I just wanted to get something on paper. Um, and that was fun. And then this year I'm, I'm doing an actual novel. I plan on querying, to agents. So, um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Cool. So in the, the instances in which you were unsuccessful and the which instances in which you were successful, um, what are some of the things that you think made a big difference mm. besides like newborns and, you know, the apocalypse, um, which is this year. <laughs> so in the past, every year that I've won, I have, um, taken a day off in the early part. So like the second, third or fourth. Um, and I spend that first weekend front loading my words. So I'll, I'll, I'll write like 10,000 words in just that weekend, just to front load oh, it. Wow. Um, just so I can, cause I know that if depending on what happens around Thanksgiving, I might be driving six hours up to Maine. I might be driving two hours out into Western Mass, depending on which family we're, we're visiting and spending time with. Of course, this year, I mean, I know what we're doing for Thanksgiving and uh, getting getting tested for COVID before I drive six hours <laughs> is uh, not really a treat. But uh, so, you know, I, I'm definitely, I have my, I have the second scheduled off. I have a couple of things I have to do that day. But that first weekend, I'm going to front load as many words I can into it to hope that I, I can get the 50,000 words. I am a little less um, organized this year than I have been in the past. Uh, my writing over, so I, I have written on and off all throughout the pandemic. 
And I've also, Damn you, know, you. Well, so it's it's not it's it's not great, Harry. It's it's not great. Um, not great, Bob. Not not doing great things here. Um, I so I have spent a fair amount of time just staring at the wall. To to be completely honest, um, but I have three, no, four different novels that I've been working on, all written by hand, spread out among composition notebooks. And normally at the start of Nano, I am. I have an outline done. I know where I'm going with my story. This this time, I I'm I, I might just work on some of the novels that I haven't finished yet. I might finish up. I've got one that is ready for me to send in. Um, I I know where it's going. I just have like four more chapters that I need to finish, and then I can type it and send it in to a publisher that's accepting un unagented uh, authors. Um, well, it's a particular type of publisher, but anyway, move, moving on from there. Uh, <laughs> Where's that zipper sound again? <laughs> we need sound effects. Nice. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, so I don't. I have no outline. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I I really just I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> other than <laughs> other than taking a day off and front loading it, that's that is that and that's worked for me um, every year that I have one, um, except for the fact that I don't have an outline this time. No outline. That's always been my folly in doing this. Is I've always either gone in with no outline. Um, or a very meager, unfleshed out outline. And the last time, so I think when I started The Prophet, I had about the first eight or nine chapters left uh, outlined. And after that, I just sort of like lost it. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to take the story. Mm. Um, and this time I've been working through a book called The 10-Day Outline by Lewis Jorstad. Um, I will tell you this, I started this back in September. It has taken a lot longer than 10 days. But I'm far <laughs> better in terms of, of where I am with my story and, and how I want it to progress. And literally every scene is now plotted out. So even if I don't finish the whole 10-day outline, I have a much better grasp on my characters, on the scenes I want to write, and, and how everything flows than I have ever had before. And I'm hoping that that will give me the jumpstart I need to really get going and getting words on the page. Because I honestly spend half the time just wondering, like, all right, now what? And then I've written myself mm. into a corner. Yeah. Oh, geez. So one year I tried to do um, uh, short stories that all were under the same theme, and mm. that just doesn't work. Like that many story arcs in a month really blows your brain apart. Yeah, I can't so imagine. Yeah. I I got a couple of them done, and then it was called Going Down. So they all had endings in which somebody went down, and it was depressing. So. It was good to stop that one. My mind went and, um, somewhere one else. Month. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> was that zipper sound? Well, it all started from, I was really pissed at my boss when I used to have a job. And, um, oh, I had, never mind. I can't say the line on uh, Eraser. Forget that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's um, really hard though, because you're, you're building, you know, with, with a novel, you're living in one world for that month. But with short stories, you're building a new world with every story you're writing. That's got to be hmm. damn hard. Yeah. It, it sucked. I don't think more than one or two of them were even coherent, honestly. And uh, the other year I, qu I quit because um, what I was doing was too autobiographical and it just kind of hurt. So 
was like, you know, I think for my sanity and, you know, the newborn baby who's here that I have to watch, I'm going to stop this. But uh, yeah. So have you guys ever written by hand? I know, Harry, you said you I've did it in 2017. It, I've done it twice. I did it once in like 2014, 2015, and then I did it with 2017. Um, the first one was done all with pen, which is much easier. And this last one was done with pencil in a bunch of the, I think I filled up six or seven of the Baron Fig composition books. Um, and that was that was fun, but that that destroyed my hand. And I said never again. <laughs> so this year it's all digital. I don't care how it's getting into Scrivener or drafts or wherever I'm typing it. It's, it's just all digital this year. Yeah, I've done, I've done it by hand as well. Um, and I also, after I did it said, I would probably never do it by hand again. <laughs> Although I have written a tremendous amount. I mean, I filled a lot of composition notebooks this summer. Um, and I, I'm not having any, any, unusual wrist or, or hand issues like I did when I, when I wrote uh, the nano novel by hand. Um, and I think the difference is that I'm using only really soft, dark pencils. Um, and I keep a dozen sharpened at a time. So I will blow through those, then sharpen them back up, then blow through them again. Um, I mean, I, there, I had one weekend where I wrote 25 pages in one day. Um, and my hand felt fine. Jeez. Yeah. I, I was on a roll, but like, really it's been my coping mechanism. If I'm completely honest, it's like, <laughs> I just need to disappear from this reality for a little while. There are, there <laughs> are way sucks. worse ways to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what I do for work. So I know all the really bad yeah. ways that people can disappear from reality and, God, if, if just disappearing into a notebook for a weekend is what I do, then I am one up on life. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been a way to disappear. And it's like, I know that half of what I've written this summer is probably a trash fire. I think only one of the things, one of the novels that I've been working on is actually something that is publishable. The rest of them are just meandering, you know, self-congratulatory crap. But it's it's allowing me to disappear from the world for a little while, and you know, if writing about some vampires and werewolves and other assorted things is how I'm going to disappear, then that's fine with me. I'm good with that. <laughs> I can handle so it. So I've only typed it twice, and um, one year I think I did five thousand words the first page, and I was like, I'm great. And then after that, like it was really slogging, and um, it didn't occur to me to write in hand by that back then. This was in '07. But um, last year I typed, and I can't even remember what the hell I wrote about. Just there was a lot of sex. But like topics, time period, I don't remember anything. Do we need that? But paper? it did take a lot less time. Yeah, I mean, you're you're sort of you're writing under the gun, and that's that's always been my my downfall is I I procrastinate. I you know I'll have one day like you where I'll get like five thousand words or even three thousand words and like all right I'm ahead of the game and then I sort of slack off a little bit and then I just lose it and <laughs> and when when I did it um, in pencil I did it so I could use up my my Blackwing twenty fours because I wanted to really put them to use I still have a few left no they are not for sale to anyone listening uh, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But I, I really wanted to see, because I, I, I have so many, like all of us, I have so many of these damn pencils, and I just wanted to like get through enough of them to just feel like I had there had been a reason I had bought them. And I think I used maybe 15 pencils by the time it was all done. 
Um, so I hadn't even, that's a lot, it's a lot, but not as much as I wanted to go through, but I also, I ended up buying the really, the extra hard, you know, the extra firm black wings. So they take forever to go through anyway. Hmm. Yeah. I usually spend December like in a lot of pain in my shoulder and wrist, back, neck, oh, yeah. everything, especially one year I used, uh, um, those field notes, dime novel books. Mm-hmm. And they're unlined, and I was like, man, these are expensive. I'm going to write small. And that was stupid. Ooh, yeah, that yeah. just sounded painful. I remember you talking about that. I was like, why, why would you do that to yourself, Johnny? Why do you hate yourself? <laughs> yeah, halfway through the month, I'm like, I should stop this, but I'm not going to stop this. Because um, I don't remember if I talked about this in the podcast at the time. I wrote to Field Notes with this whole big um, proposal, like, hey, you should let me write a dime novel, and then you should publish it. And like, you should sponsor me with dime novel books. And they were like, no, but here are some dime novel books. I'm like, okay, thanks. So I had to use them. It's a better rejection than I've gotten from, from places. Yeah. Um, but this year I bought one of those really big Baron Fig books and I was going to like bust into it with some fountain pen action and see how that works. Maybe it won't hurt my hand if I don't bail on NaNoWriMo this year. Yeah. Which I might. <clears throat> the first time I did it, I used um, one of those eight and a half by 11 Moleskine notebooks, the soft cover ones. And I was using a Pilot High Tech 3. I went through like two or three of them. And those are great because they're instant dry. It really doesn't matter how terrible the paper is, which they are in Moleskine. But like these flew right across the page. It was really easy going. And I got through it in a couple of months. But um, this last time was just a slog. <laughs> so, um, you know, we all have tips. So what would you tell someone on this side of NaNoWriMo, if they're flirting with the temptation to participate this month, like I am, this question's for me, um, what would you tell them if they plan to write by hand? What would you tell them if they're going to type? And what would you tell them if they're maybe going to wimp out? Take a day off. Schedule time off. Mm. Um, I, I think an outline is super helpful. Um, and if you're planning on writing by hand, don't go for hard pencils. Sharpen up 24 smooth, dark pencils and then just go through them and then resharpen them when you're done. Um, Now you tell me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You have any um, recommended pencils? Oh, man. Um, Tennessee Red. Tennessee Red. Yeah. uh, Tennessee Red or I really didn't – I didn't think I was going to like the Harvest Pro. Um, But – uh, because I tried the regular Harvest, which I do not – it's okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not a bad pencil. But it's too light for my preferences. But the Harvest Pro, man, that's got a nice core. So Harvest Pro, Tennessee Red, uh, um, even like some penning gear from Walmart, those the the um, ones made in India, like a pack of 48 of those are – they have a really nice dark core, and it's smooth. So, you know, they're dirt cheap. You can get a – 48 pack for like two bucks. Um, and you know, don't no, they're not fancy, but you're not going to sit there and gaze lovingly at your pencil because it's too pretty to use. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, or sit there and sniff the harvest pro or the Tennessee red. Cause they smell really good. But I might do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that's big. Don't, don't get <laughs> precious about your, your supplies. I mean, use stuff that's good and that feels good in the hand and you're happy to use, but you know, it's it like, don't go to Barnes and Noble and buy one of those large leather notebooks off the back shelf. That's stupid. Yeah. You know, you, you write some of the, the best reviews of, um, of composition books, read less reviews and, um, 
you know, use that to, to go into Target or Walmart or Office Depot, wherever it is, and buy a decent composition book for a buck and a half and use that. I've got a stock of them in my closet that I've been given to my son and I use them myself. It's great. Yeah, same, same. I have, I'm, I might be looking at 30 of them right now. I <laughs> <laughs> so to be fair, I start. I, I buy sixteen every every back to school season, um, and then I buy a couple of extras because I just can't. They're fifty cents. I can't help myself at back to school. Um, <laughs> so the one the I I do I buy like uh, like another five or six of the one that I really like the most, and uh, I I will blow through probably five or six of those in NaNoWriMo if I write by hand. I'm not sure I'm going to or mm. not, but but yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's a good size, and composition books are durable. Like, you know, if you get frustrated, throw it against the wall. Eh, it's fine. Yeah, absolutely. It'll work. Yeah. Um. Oh, I totally had a brain fart. My, I guess if you're writing by hand, one tip I would give would be to not use the same tool constantly. Um, was it two years ago? Was the last time I wrote by hand? I used an A5 notebook, and um, if I let myself just like, oh, I'm going to use a Bic now, I'm going to use a pencil now, I'm going to use a rollerball now. Um, changing that made my hand hurt a lot less in December than it did the year before when I was just using tiny little notebooks. I've got, I've got some general writing tips. Um, go in if you can with some, if it's not a full outline, some idea of, you know, the story you want to tell, um, maybe a few little character sketches of, you know, of, personality points and and just uh, ideas of scenes you want to write <clears throat> even if you write it out of order just you know to have something to write uh don't edit as you go stream of consciousness just keep writing um set sprints for yourself do 20 minute sprints at a time use a pomodoro timer um and just you know write for those 20 minutes take a five minute break come back and for another 20 minutes you know you don't have to do it all in one two hour uh go uh, at a time you can do it in, in bursts and i would say you know sign up on the site find other people who are doing it keep each other accountable support each other encourage each other um, i'm in a discord group with other central new jersey writers and we talk every day and you know i ask them questions i have a question about how my book ends because i i i'm writing it all one way and then the last chapter sort of spins differently um from the rest of the book and i'm like you know where how would you approach this find people you can talk to and bounce ideas off of and and you know help each other out yeah, uh, would you guys be willing to share your uh, nano usernames so that people can buddy list you? Yeah, let oh. me find it real quick because it's not usually yeah, I'm, I'm HP marks everywhere, but I don't think I am here. Um, and I'm not sure what I am. Where are they? Oh, okay, mine's JFGPH. Oh, I'm HC marks. Mine's easy. Um, yeah, I'm HC marks. So you know what, Les? I think you're probably on my buddies list. I think I might I be less find it that way. Harper on there. I don't know how to work this website. <laughs> I think it's I'm L- I, I think I'm LC Harper. I know awesome. I, I oh, Yep, I'm LC Harper. <laughs> awesome. Um so we have more questions. So would you guys be willing to maybe you don't have to. Um Maybe describe one or two of the works that you've done, like plot-wise, theme-wise. I could, I, mean, I keep I, making I, you go first. I'll go first if you want. I, I, you know, I would if I could actually remember some of them. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like I, I commit to them and then I, I, um, 
kind of forget about them. Did I write up? I'm kind of, I'm trying to look and see if I put in a description. I didn't put in a, a detail about um, my last one. I know it was about witches. So there's some sort of witch thing. Um, and I know that the one previous to that, I, I don't think, well, a couple of years ago, I didn't have the chops to really write it. I did win, but I, at that point, I didn't know what I was doing enough. I hadn't written enough to really get that novel to where it needed to be for it to be something anyone would ever want to read. Um, <laughs> it is so meandering. There's like magic stuff that doesn't make any sense. There are no rules to the magic and it doesn't like the whole, there's like warring factions in a city and it doesn't make sense. It's, it, it was a stupid book and, and it, <laughs> it, belong, it belongs in the drawer where it lives now. Um, it's, it's a sad, sad story. Um, yeah. So I, other than that, I'm not really, no, I, I've, I know there was like at, at least one romance that I wrote, um, which probably could be cleaned up and, and actually sold because that's pretty, they're pretty straightforward if you hit the beats right, um, in terms of a romance, it's just getting the personalities of the people appropriate. Um, mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so uh, yeah, I can't remember enough of them to really give you any good synopsis. <laughs> other than there's magic, there's witches, they're lesbians, and there you go. Cool. <laughs> How about you, Harry? Uh, so Do you want to share something? Yeah. So the so the the book that became the prophet uh, that was the one I hand wrote in pencil. Um, that one is it's told from two points of view. Um, and it's based on a, it's a fictionalized version of the FLDS, which is a fundamentalist spinoff of Mormonism, um, that <clears throat> if you've ever seen Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt in the first episode, when they come out of the bunker and they're wearing those long prairie dresses and their, their hair up in the bun, that's ba basically how they dress the women in, in um, the FLDS dress. Um, and it's centered, the book is centered around this, um, maniacal cult leader who, um, you know, he lives on this compound in this town. That sort of that controls everything in the area, and this young girl, her father is excommunicated, um, and she is betrothed to the cult leader as one of his many, many wives. And at the same time, the excommunicated father gets help from a uh, local private detective who has had beef with the, the the church, and so the two of them team up to try and get her out and the rest of the family out and take down this cult leader. So that was the first one I had written. Um, and then the one I'm working on this year is <clears throat> it's literary fiction. And it's about this guy who basically uh, he it's, he hits his 39th birthday and he's so, so depressed with how his life has turned out. Um, and I'm 35. It's not about me, uh, but he's so depressed about how his life has turned out. He gets a gift from his estranged brother and it's a book from Thomas Jefferson's original library. And as it sort of sends him into this downward spiral of obsession with his legacy and what he's going to leave behind for people to recognize him for. And so he goes on this maniacal quest to uh, basically rebuild Thomas Jefferson's library in his own home. Um, and he, you know, he, he alienates his family, his employers, his loved ones, everybody in this quest and and um obsession to just rebuild this library for himself and to, to leave something behind well <laughs> so i you know i did my training to become a faculty member and then i never did <laughs> so 
I've noticed that that comes up in my NaNoWriMo stuff a lot. There's a lot of, um, lots of academia because it's all I know besides kids. Um, but I wrote about time travel one year, which was super fun. But then it got weird where people were their own parents or something. It's weird. It's called Back to the Future. No, I'm kidding. I've never seen Back to the Future. I don't, Seriously? I'm not usually a, a sci-fi buff. No, I've never seen that. I've never read Dune. I'm stunted. I mean, I've I've never read Dune, but I'm surprised Back to the Future. It's such a staple of of pop culture. I think I was a little too young in the 80s, but a little too old to pick it up later. It just seemed kind of like, I don't know, last year's movie. I don't know if we can be friends. No, I'm going to get hate mail for not liking this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Harry kind of did a little bit of this already, but a big thing with uh, NaNoWriMo is the uh, pep talks. Like they've got some really cool ones. Like Neil Gaiman's done them. They always have some awesome top notch people uh, record them or write them. So would you guys want to give a short pep talk to those adventurous souls who are going to start this challenge Sunday? Be serious about your writing, but don't take this too seriously. So, you know, what you put on paper, make, don't, don't try and write crap. I mean, you know, do your best, but also don't, don't feel like you have to adhere so closely to, I have to get 1700 words a day. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to run myself ragged and, and, you know, beat this because you're, you're doing this for yourself. You're not doing this for anyone else. You're not, there's no monetary prize at the end of this. There's no, you know, you're not going to be gifted anything other than a badge that says I did it. And if that's enough for you, great, but don't feel that you have to, you know, impress anyone, but yourself you know this is this is supposed to be fun this is supposed to be um encouraging and it's supposed to make you want to write and not hate it how about you Les? yeah i um have fun with it i think like i'm, I'm gonna echo a little bit of what harry has to say is have fun with it uh, yeah. this is a chance to kind of get ridiculous with your writing it doesn't have to be serious you can write a long meandering crappy novel about lesbian necromancers or you know lesbian whatever um it doesn't have to be lesbians that's just where my mind's at (laughs) it's always a theme with me um you know you, you can you can take your story and take it anywhere you want and it can be fun it can be serious if you want it to be um but mostly it's just about kind of the challenge of of getting those words out and having fun with it and playing with your words and and playing with the whole idea of what is a novel. Um, and, and so I hope everyone just kind of has fun with it. And like, like Johnny did, you know, it doesn't have to be a novel, you know, it could be a mm. bunch of short stories. It could be Don't do that. poems. It could be, yeah, it could be nonfiction, you know, what, whatever floats your boat. Um, you know, and if you do camp nano in July, you can set the word count yourself. It doesn't have to be 50,000, which is nice. Yeah. Cool. The only thing I would add is tell somebody you're doing it because you're going to feel like a turd if you tell people you're doing it and then you don't. Signing up on the website, I feel, helps contribute to that. Like you put it up, put it on, quote, paper, unquote, but, you know, put put it down and, and sort of announce to the world, like, yes, I'm doing this. Here is the tentative title and here is, you know, what my story is about. And that sort of, at least in your own mind, gives you the idea like, okay, mm-hmm. this is sort of a real thing now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think joining if this is good stuff. Yeah, I I think joining if not one of the NaNoWriMo communities on the site, one through Facebook or like your. I'm a member of my local group. I never go to the, any of their meetings because they're such a tight click. But mm. this year, 
um, they're doing everything through Zoom. So I'm actually going to be able to meet everyone in a, like, I'm not going into someone's home. Uh, so uh, that's like, you know, a, a kind of a nice aspect of it. Um, the, I guess like if there's one thing that can be nice <laughs> about the pandemic is that I think there's a big expansion of what you're going to be able to do in terms of doing writing groups. And, you know, like I know a lot of people that even outside of nano, when they're writing or they're working, they just get on zoom and they have people who are there with them, holding them accountable for their work. Um, so that's really cool. And there goes yeah, that's one of great. my neighbors. <laughs> um, yeah. So just, just, I think that, that accountability um, is super important. Awesome. So do you guys want to button this one up? Sure. I think we've, we've uh, beat this horse enough. This is always one of my favorite episodes to record every year. So be prepared for another request next year. Ding, ding, ding. Sweet. So thanks for joining us. Um, can you guys tell folks at home where they can find you on the internet and then in real life, if you're feeling creepy, <laughs> uh, you can find or very brave or <laughs> <laughs> well, not safe. Um, any, you can find me at uh, comfortableshoesstudio.com, uh, RSVP, stationarypodcast.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, all of the other places at Original LC Harper. You can find me. Thank you, Harry. Uh, yeah, you can find um, my sitcom, The Shelf Life, at shelflifesit.com. Uh, you can find the other podcast I co host with Dave Kalo on uh, the 5x5 network. It's called Homework. So it's 5x5.tv slash homework. And if you want links to my books, my blogs, anything about me, I believe the link to my IMDb page is also on here. It's uh, linktr.ee slash hcmarks. And you can find me on Twitter at hcmarks as well. Awesome. So I am Johnny Gamber. You can find me at pencilrevolution.com on social media at pencilution. And you can buy my awesome zines on my Etsy shop yeah. at etsy.com slash slop slash shop slash pencil revolution. Thank you again to Harry and Les for joining us tonight. We are the Erasable Podcast. You can find us on the internet at erasable.us. This episode, number 152, will be available at erasable.us slash 152. Our Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash erasable. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash erasable podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at erasable podcast. And you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash erasable. And if you back us at $10 a month, you get to be a producer and you get a producer credit. So thank you to all of these folks who have sponsored us at that level. Andrew Squish, Gary Varner, Julie Mulner, Ali Sarah, Jamelia, James Spears, A.O. Pryor, Karen Peabody, James Dominguez, Millie Blackwell, Hunter McCain, Bob Ostwald, Michael Dialosa. Jacqueline R. Myers, Tana Feliz, Ann Sipe, Gangster Hotline, Joe Crace, Measure Twice, Michael Hagen, Chris Metzkis, John Bainan, Random Thinks, Jason Dill, Dave McDonald, Leslie Touzay, Mary Collis, Alex Jonathan Brown, Kathleen Rogers, Bobby Letzinger, Fourth Letter, Kelton Weens, Hans Noodleman, Terry Beth Ledbetter, Stuart Lennon, 
Dave Tubman and Chris Jones. Thanks again, and we'll catch you in two weeks. Turn it off.